Welcome to Working Matters. I'm Claudia Rempel. And I'm Carl Edwards. Join the conversation on the web at boldenterprises.com. Well, Claudia, good to see you. We're back for a new series this week. Yeah, we're starting a series on good leaders during bad times. Well, it's only appropriate now that we have trashed everyone for being such horrible leaders. That's right. That's what we did in our last series. Through this crisis and all the ways that the, um, they have let us down and put their head in the, stuck their head in the sand and refused to face up to certain things. But we don't want to merely attack what doesn't work. We have a lot of things that we know work and that do turn things around and equip people to face dif- even difficult things. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at some of those things that make leaders able to rise to the occasion of being able to meet bad times. Now, I know we've talked about this quite a bit, but just to reiterate for our listeners who may not have listened to a previous podcast, why is it that most, you know, most people I know complain about their boss being an idiot or their boss, you know, doesn't know what he's doing. It's very gratifying. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and uh, I think, but there is a sort of perception that bosses sort of isolate themselves sort of in a, a position where they don't listen, you know, they don't know what's going on. So why is that? And then how can, if we are able to reach those who are our leaders, how can we, how can they open themselves up to hearing what we have to say? So they actually stay with the show and don't just turn it off right now? Yep, that's right. Well, you know, there's something in our culture that associates leadership and competence with being smarter or more powerful than everyone else. And in order to justify that you deserve the promotion or that you should have the position, you have to kind of be this self-sufficient, competent person. And to need others or to have to ask questions or to have someone alongside you is perceived as weakness. We think, all oh, that's false. It's, a, it's crazy. It's actually crazy. I mean, my goodness, there's not an athlete in the world who doesn't surround him or herself with input and coaches and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what isn't working. That's positive. That's positive information. Not in leadership culture. And so the result of that is you end up isolated. You end up all by yourself because there's no one you can think these things through with. And that's a dangerous place to get into. And that's what we're going to start looking at over the next five weeks is some alternatives that are not so isolating, get the facts out on the table and get everybody involved in coming up with how to move forward. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Okay. Well, this week we're going to look at the place that we believe all processes start, which is with yourself. Problem solving begins in the mirror. Then you start looking outward for other things that are involved in the problem. Next week, That's what we'll turn our attention to is solving the issues behind the problem and to get out of kind of reacting to symptoms. The third one is going to be on training people to be better than you are so that you're actually building around you a team of people who complement your skills. And that's not going to be a threatening situation at all. That's going to actually empower everyone to do a lot more. Then we're going to turn our attention to reporting to your team. Now we're going to flip accountability on its head. And instead of being accountable upwards to those higher on the organizational chart, then you were going to say, how about if you were accountable to those below you on the organizational chart? We'll have some fun with that one. And then finally, we'll look at creating a culture that gets results and kind of thinking systemically about what kind of space we can create together as a working community that um, sets us free to jump in with both feet and work hard and get things done. I can imagine, as I mentioned earlier, that it's it's hard for us as leaders to get help, the help we need, or be actually very open with those on our team because we fear that that will not portray us as good leaders. 
that's a rough life. Boy, to be finally in a position that you've been working for for years and then to kind of step into that position and be afraid, be afraid of being second-guessed, being afraid of not getting it right, that's rough. And we want to turn that around. The downside is that you don't end up looking at yourself ever. So problems come along, things go awry in the economy, employees don't perform, and it's easy to just start looking at those things all by themselves. So what we want to talk about today is that's a mistake, and that all good problem solving starts by a good look in the mirror. Well, tell us a little bit more. I mean, you've sort of given this us this image, but how do you begin sort of this sort of self-searching process in ways that you can identify the ways in which you are have the potential to be a good leader in the ways in which you lack certain qualities that are necessary? Well, you know, it's our number one question for open-ended questions. You know, we do a question of the week every week over on the website. And um, I hope you all are over there watching those two-minute videos. And our, you know, primary one, the first one, and the one I keep coming back to is, how might you be a part of the problem that won't go away? In one sense, there's no answer to that question, because the whole point of it is to set up a reflective process, is what am I doing that might be contributing to the situation? And it's that thinking process that will help leaders get into what they might be doing without making them wrong or bad or stupid or incompetent. You know, all those issues go away. It's just facing the fact that you're a key player in the situation, and we've got to be honest about that fact. And so in being honest with that and looking at it and starting with ourselves, we do two things. One, we deal with the reality that we're a key player. And two, we model that it's okay to look at what you're doing and critique it. That's a positive process. It's not a blaming process. It's not a punishing process. It's a positive process to be able to critique what you're doing in order to do it better. So starting this self-critique, what are some of the questions to ask? Because you mentioned that you know, we ask ourselves, well, how am I a part of the problem? So what are ways that you might actually see that you're a part of the problem that wouldn't occur to you? Well, there you can look at the things that do come to your attention. So maybe there's behaviors of your employees that are annoying, that aren't working well. For example, someone might be resistant to taking new assignments and always make it a, you know, complaining when you come to them. So the question is, you know, how might I be a part of this? And maybe you are, maybe their schedule is overloaded and you want everything you know, all the due dates are converging at the same time. And and what they're actually doing by being resistant is protecting themselves from being blamed for not being able to get it all done because you keep loading them up. And so you realize that you've created that situation by not helping them, maybe by not helping them prioritize the projects, by not helping them, if you add a new project, changing the deadline on an existing project and helping them make it happen. And then they don't have to protect themselves from you. So we're not blaming either person. We're just saying this person's resisting new projects. How might I be a part of that? And I just, you know, my example was some ways where you might be contributing to it. And then you can adjust that and the problem goes away. And then, you know, the added advantage is it shows the humility that you're a learner too. And you're not blaming everyone. So it reduces the whole fear thing of everybody not going down. Well, it seems like the two extremes of how we manage in our culture, and most people will complain in one way or another, is they either have a hyper-manager, and we've talked about that, there's a boss who constantly controls everything, needs everything to be to the point sometimes of it not being efficient, not being helpful, not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really helping the relationship. Or they're the opposite. They want nothing to do 
with supervising. They want everything to be a well-oiled machine. They don't want any responsibility in knowing what's going on as long as no complaints go to them. They're not even aware of what their employees are doing or what needs they have. So it seems to be the extremes. How do you balance a little bit of both? Well, I would even suggest you want neither because you articulated that so well. You just said out loud that both issues just have to do with the leader. That's our point. It's got nothing to do with what's going on. It's got nothing to do with the team. It's got nothing to do with the economy. In one case, you want everything to go smoothly and not have to make some decisions and calls. In the other case, you want to be involved in everything. You, you. So even with having either of those styles and needing it that way, um, what we're saying is let's be honest with the subject is you. Your subject is you, not ours. We're not accusing anyone of anything. The leader subject is themselves. They need to be in control. They want a certain amount of information. I don't need to judge that as right or wrong. Same with the person who wants everything to go smoothly. I don't need to judge that it's right or wrong. What that leader needs to realize is that's them putting that on everyone. And so to make that work, they've got to start critiquing that where it's helpful to employees and empowering and where it's leaving them without direction and standards. Well, it seems to me, Carl, hearing you articulate that, that we, we seem to have a, a wrong perception of leadership and power. Yes. We're all wrapped up in, you know, that we've got this responsibility and the buck stops with us, that we equate power with being in control. And that's not necessary. We don't have to be in control to exercise our responsibilities as the, you know, final arbiter of difficult decisions or the reviewer of um, decisions. So, I think the reason that we cling to control or resort to control is back to our fear problem, that we're going to be judged, that someone's going to, if it doesn't all work out, we're going to get the blame. And everyone's afraid of the people above them. And we're going to get that to that in one of our later shows is kind of looking over the shoulder fear when we make decisions. And so we want to control everything, but it doesn't work. For example, companies generally make a lot of their um, decisions through means of a budget. And they will decide, we are going to spend this much on computer equipment this year. And they will approve it. They'll do all the planning. They'll do all the thinking. They'll approve it. So then when a manager comes to the time where they need to uh, purchase a machine, some leaders will want to reapprove it. They'll want to have another shot at giving a yes or a no. But the decision's already been made. And so a whole process takes place where all the planning's already happened. It's already been decided that that's what we want to do this year and creating a necessary bureaucracy by needing to be in the decision loop again. So they're overworking themselves, they're second-guessing their employees, and it's all backfiring on them because of this need of control. If you can't look at yourself and see what you're doing, then you're, these things stay uncovered. I mean, they stay hidden, I'm sorry. They stay mysterious. We're, we're blind to a whole area, and here's the handicap that we want to point out in this week's show, by not looking at ourselves, we're just walking blind to a whole area of highly impactful dynamics that go on in that, and how we show up starts at the top, always starts at the top, how we show up affects everyone else all of the time. So if you're coming in to work and you're really threatened by your employees or you are fearful that they will see you as incompetent, that is going to be something people perceive. Sure. Usually you're afraid the other way, that you know, your boss is going to think you're incompetent, and so you crack the whip on your employees, and that you 
you know, kind of get in this adversarial relationship with your employees that we'll look at in a couple of weeks where you feel like you're against them and you got to keep them in their place and get as much out of them as possible and make sure they don't go home feeling like they're anything great. Because if they do, they'll ask for a raise. You start doing all these crazy things that work against you because you're not able to look at what's underlying how you got there. So um, you got to start with yourself. We're not going to end with ourselves. We're not blaming ourselves. But this week, you got to start with yourself. I encourage our, our listeners to just take a step back and listen to what we have to say. It's to help in these situations and uh, to not put our defenses up because we do that a lot, particularly in leadership positions. We don't want input because it feels like weakness. Right. Your coaches are on your side. We're on your side. You get information about yourself that's difficult to look at or feels negative. It's not an attack. We're on your side to point out some things that might not be serving you well. And this is our first one, that we have a tendency to be blind to the impact that we're having on our team. And if we can look at that with being secure and wanting to get better at what we're doing, we'll be surprised to how much of the domino chain flows out from that and how many other problems just take care of themselves when we show up differently. Well, join us next week for our series on uh, good leaders in bad times. We'll be speaking about solving the issues behind the problem. You're always invited to comment on our blog at boldenterprises.com. See you next time. This podcast is a Bold Enterprises production.